what is going on everybody welcome back to another edition of the malaga drive hoops podcast i am your host caleb and i'm very very excited to be back with you all today i hope you guys are just vibing out wherever you may be listening to this and if you're not you know bro keep on pushing it does get better we are all in this together um But with that being said, guys, I wanted to touch on a couple things before we jump into the podcast itself. First things first, I apologize because I am, yes, I am aware that it does sound like I am calling in off of my burner phone in Costa Rica. I'm honestly not sure what happened. Had my AirPods in, everything seemed like it was perfectly normal. And then I go to edit the podcast and it sounds like I'm calling in on the radio. So I do apologize for that. About 75% of the way through the podcast, uh, the lap- my laptop shit itself, so we had to reset. Uh, and so then the audio was actually fixed for the last 75. So if you make it there, it does get better. Uh, but at least Sarge's audio on his end the whole time is crystal clear. And he's a very smart dude, so you can hear him fully. And it's not like you can't hear me. Like, you can hear me. It's just the sound quality is, is clearly lacking. But I do apologize. That should be fine going moving, moving forward. Uh, last thing, I'm also aware that an hour 50 or so is, uh, is pretty long, pretty long. Uh, respect if you make it through, but uh, I'm here to say that I, I understand that's pretty long. Sarge and I are going to do our very best to keep it to a max of an hour 30 moving forward. Uh, but what happens is we start talking hoop and next thing you know, we look up, it's been two hours. We get carried away, but I'm here to t- let you know an hour 50 is long and i I realize that um but other than that guys i I really do appreciate you being here it means the world that you would sit spend some time listening to sarge and i talk about what we genuinely love most in this world uh i hope you guys enjoy it we go through our top 10 centers i know i haven't brought it up yet you probably tell from the title we go through our top 10 centers headed into the next nba season uh honestly pretty stacked position there's some really really good centers that didn't even make it so um and we touch on those two but i hope you guys enjoy have a great rest of your day um and be on the lookout as we will have the top 10 at every other position as well coming in the following weeks all right peace all right what is going on guys welcome back to another edition of the podcast and today we got uh, we got something pretty exciting for you guys. I don't know if you guys remember, but last year uh, during COVID, um, downtime in the NBA, we, me and Sarge uh, decided to rank the top 10 players at each position. And I felt like personally that was our best series. I felt like we um, really were able to provide some insight on, on how we saw things and as guys who just watched this watch this league, watch the sport 24-7. So we are uh, 100% bringing it back. We're kind of at that point in the season where, or not season, but in the cycle of the NBA where it's kind of dead. It'll be dead for a little bit. But NBA, honestly, is uh, not too far away. I believe it's 56 days. So uh, today we're going to do centers. Uh, we're going to go from 10 to 1. And I, I, I think the center position is super interesting. I, I know we talked about it last year, but it's like, I remember last year I kind of likened it to the running back in the NBA where it's like the the league has somewhat, they haven't necessarily devalued centers, but they devalued the way centers, the, the type of centers that had, the way centers had traditionally played in that they, 
you know, the NBA wants spacing so the shot creators can have as much space as possible. And they, because of the Warriors, they wanted a, a lot of switching ability. And obviously, uh, a lot of centers struggle with that. That's still the case. But um, it's interesting now because you got like a new age of the NBA. And you can tell a lot of these guys uh, have kind of formed their game. I mean, you even take a, a look at someone like Brooke Lopez, who, you know, five years ago, if you watched him play, he was a back to the basket guy who wasn't really good on defense. And now he's a space the floor guy who is a, a rim protector. So um, you can definitely see the emphasis on it. Um, and then I'll also say before we jump into it, I want to make this as concise as possible, but um, this is our top 10 headed into next year. So it's, it's based off obviously on what we've seen up into this point, but it's who we see as the top 10 if we're headed into next year. Um, I don't know about you, bro. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but I got Sarge back again. Um, but my my 10 last year, I'm going to go through them real quick. My 10 was Miles Turner. Nine was Al Horford. Eight was DeMontis Sabonis. Seven was Brooke Lopez. Six was Bam. Five was Rudy. Four was Cat. Three was KT. Two was Yoke. And one was Embiid. Um, obviously, a lot of that has changed. There's still plenty of guys still in there. Uh, but you want to run through your 10 from last year, too? Yeah. So no change for me. Also, so I looked at the date of when we posted this because I, I was like, all right, we probably did this later than – for some reason, I thought we did it a the lot bubble. later. But, yeah, it was it was right. April 5th the last, when we did this. So almost like a year and a half ago kind of at this point. So yeah. we had a, a really a lot of time to, you know, for some of these young guys to develop um, and some mm -hmm. of these young guys move up my list. But for me, I had – Oh, it's so bad. I had Hassan Whiteside 10. <laughs> and, and I won't even I won't even lie. I had Hassan Whiteside 10. I had Vucevic 9. Sabonis 8. Zinger 7. Bam 6. I had Drummond 5. I had Gobert 4. I had Towns 3. Embiid 2. Jokic 1. You kind of wrecked me on this now that I go back and look at it. Just having Drummond at 5 is, is pretty bad. Um, but obviously in a, a in a way different – honestly. In a way that. different situation, but even like the because I have all of like my notes still here and then some of my points that I want to make, but even like some of Drummond, Drummond's numbers were ridiculous two blocks a game, two steals, had 23 PR, like had really good numbers. It's just when you're playing and getting that much volume on a team, some of those numbers can even be so skewed, you know what I mean? Now we For see sure. like on a really good team, he just can't even play. So some of those are bad. Like Hassan exactly. and, and Andre Drummond for me are bad. And I think that's a, that's a good point. And that's why, that's why the fuck we're here is to, to be able to distinguish or at least try to distinguish, all right, which, which, which guys are the guys that – because box scores are never going to tell you. We are watching these games like our lives depend on it. And the, the numbers – aren't always going to tell the full story. So um, for us, that's, that, that's why we do this is to differentiate. And, and again, these are all opinions. There's nothing set in stone. Um, and guys get better, guys get worse. Um, but this is, we're here to say, for me, I think another thing I should clear before we go in is like, like this is not who's the most talented. This is not who's the best at put, getting a bucket. This is like, when I say best at basketball, I am talking about who helps you win a basketball game. 
because ultimately that is why we are here is to win basketball or that's why these teams are here is to win basketball games so um last year i know we did oh go ahead go ahead for me i was just going to say like my two factors were if i was starting a franchise right now at the center position who would i take you know like just bam and then basically that not necessarily like taking age out of if i was trying to win next year and just starting my franchise just for one year exactly not like for over 10 years but and then just strictly impact on winning like those are my two things like if i'm trying to win for one year and i'm starting my franchise and i get one year it's bam that guy you know exactly at center that's that's where i'm at too bro um so 10 i got uh james wiseman bro (laughs) you're lying i know you're lying (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) um let's let's on that note, though, and bro, I, I was this close to thinking you were serious. Honestly, I really no, was this close. No, I was. Th- I I thought about like going on for at least a minute and making just points to see like if you'd be nice to me. But uh, <laughs> let's let's go to our honorable mentions, guys. That for me just missed missed the cut, and I think it might even open up some uh, discussion. Uh, but I got C Wood. Um, I really really like him. He had a great year last year. For me, it's more of a respect thing just in, in terms of like needing to see it a little bit longer. Obviously, the Rockets were no good. I don't think it's all his fault, obviously. Um, I, I think you could have stuck a ton of good centers in Houston last year and they wouldn't have been any good. But he just missed the cut for me. Uh, Jared Allen, I think, is a guy who's budding, not quite there yet. Al Horford just missed the cut for me. Just uh, obviously had a really ever since Philly, it's, it's been pretty bad. I know last, last year, he was honestly not bad. Like the Thunder people forget they were kind of good at the start of the year. Like they were winning way too many games. And then at the, uh, like the halfway point, they were like, Oh shit. Like we're actually winning way too many games. Like let's, let's go tank. Uh, but I still think he, he could have a pretty good year in Boston. Uh, Nurkic. I, I honestly like Nurkic. He probably would have been my 11 if we were making it official, uh, maybe 12, but, um injured a lot he just can't quite stay healthy but really you see it every time he goes down blazers kind of go down with him um and this might be a hot take i think uh when i get when i get these posted on instagram i'll probably get killed for this i, I got killed for it last year but uh Vooch just missed the cut for me too um, wow so, yeah so I, i'm assuming he's up there for you but i moved me, him down actually a good amount but i and i think we're both on the same page with him but I definitely know why, and you can go into yeah. explaining it right now. No, but that's a big name. Yeah, I won't. I won't spend too much time talking on it because um, I want to. You know, I want to talk about the top ten. But for me, it's Vooch is is one of those guys. I'm not going to call him the Russell Westbrook of centers. He's really good offensively, but he leaves a lot to be desired on defense. Um, and like again, I, I'm trying to move away from okay, he's never won, but it's like the Magic were not really that much better with him on the court last year. And granted, he was playing with a bunch of shitty players. But even in Chicago, they were they actually had a worse net rating with him on the court. It was a small sample size for sure. And I don't think he's a bad player by any means. He's probably 11 or 12, him or Nurk. But I, I, I truly do think that the 10 guys ahead of him, even if even though Vooch can go put better numbers, like this isn't fantasy. Like in fantasy, I'd put him up there. But uh, I just haven't seen him really at all in his time in the league like, be able to be a linchpin of a even an above average team. So that's where I'm at. I he'd probably be eleven for me. Who are, who are and, and next year's in? next year's a huge year for Vooch too. Like Matt for, sure. for my for my like grading of him and how good I really think yeah. he is. Because 
I think you and me understand that the defensive side of things, it's just not there. Like it's, it's really not. And it's, I think you and me both value the center. If you're not good at defense, it's really hard unless you're incredible offensively, like a Jokic or Towns or something, it's really hard. And they're exactly. even decent defensively. It, it's really hard they're, to get up They're there both better it. than, than Vooch. And exactly. Yeah. And I think real quick, it's important to explain why, like in this league now, you know, so much emphasis on spacing and there's, Guys are so damn good at basketball. Like, I was even hooping the other day with this dude. Uh, I'm low-key. I don't want to tell everyone, but I'm kind of out of shape right now, so I was struggling a little bit. But there's this dude who, like, played at community college, right? And this is kind of off topic, but whatever. And he was just killing dudes. And it's like this dude was, like, whatever in community college. These guys in the NBA are ridiculous, and they're able to get downhill so incredibly easily. You need, like – no matter unless you're just an elite on-ball defender and even if you are these guys are able to get downhill and get to the cup you need guys at the five who can affect shots at the rim and so if you don't do that like you said you got to be really really good at basically every aspect and Vooch honestly is but all these guys ahead of him for me are at are better on at D um and at least you know comparable to him on offense so that's that's where i'm at um any guys that i didn't mention that uh or i guess if you if you didn't they'd probably be in my top 10 but whatever any guys that just missed a cup for you it's all those guys wood was a really tough one for me just because same reasons you said but i think you got to give miles turner some love too just because i think if if you look at, at just the straight up numbers and i'm not just saying this because Bro, you acquired him in, in fantasy, yeah. but is he actually? He is, and we'll talk about it, bro. He's in wow. my top ten. And I, and I think it's a very controversial mm. player to put in your top ten because if you go strictly look at his numbers, he averaged like twelve and what eight mm. or something. Like really didn't not, put up no, numbers. Not even like monstrous six. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. it more. I don't want to talk about him right now. I'll give you the time, but he was a guy that. Um, for me, it was was really close, and it was super tough just because of the Sabonis factor and and kind totally. of him taking away, I guess, stats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Wiseman for me too. <laughs> just missed uh, I I honestly, I really, I hope that uh, I hope that there's some strides taken this year. But that's we don't need to talk about it. Let's jump in to our top ten. You are my guest, bro. Who is your 10th best center in the NBA? Okay, and I'm interested to see where you have this guy, but my 10th is J-Val. And okay. oh, for me – Another guy who just missed the cup for me. But okay. you have the floor. I thought you didn't mention him because I thought you had him in there. No, I just completely set my mind. I actually – I have him there, but I put J-Val, and he just was next to Jared Allen. Okay, so, so this – like I told you earlier, my top nine, we were talking about this earlier in the day. My top nine was was really set. Like those nine guys that I had, um, I was very confident in those guys being all in my top nine. Um, the 10th one was really hard. So for this one, for me, it was really between J-Val, Seawood, um, Miles Turner. Um, it was basically those three guys. And the reason I put J-Val is just because he was an absolute monster last year. Like he, was. he really was like an absolute monster. 17, 12, um, two assists almost, shot almost 60% from the field. Just and even the advanced stats with him were actually a lot better than I thought they were going to be. 
Um, per 100 possessions, the dude was almost like 125 points. Like, really, really nice stuff from Javel that I wasn't expecting. The defensive numbers weren't as bad as I thought to be either. Um, so I'm so going to pull me, on the on-off with Javel. I'm interested. Okay. Um, so on the court this year, basically – he was on because Jay Val's not like a super, uh, like he's not going to play 32 minutes. So the, the yeah. numbers are basically about the same on and off. So on the court with him, they had 115 offensive rating, very good. Off the court, 110.9. So a clear 4.3 uh, points better with him on offense. And then yeah. the defensive rating was identical with him on and off. So was definitely a positive this year. And I, I completely agree. The guy was an absolute savage in his minutes. Um, and him on the offensive glass, too, is, is, is such an under – like, offensive really rebounding nowadays. Comes from. That's yeah, it, that's his biggest and people thing. don't really put an emphasis on offensive rebounding anymore because that's such an old-school big men stat, right? Like, offensive rebounding. But he gives you so many extra possessions, even when they don't show up on the stat sheet of just him jumping up there and tipping balls around and just, you know, 100%. throwing it off of guys and stuff, just giving you extra possessions. But another guy where I think he could easily move into my top seven, maybe eight this year, if he has a really good year in New Orleans and maybe is one of the reasons that they are a playoff team this year. Um, totally. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to happen, but I think j has proven that um, in my eyes, he deserves to be a top 10 center and, and, he just was an absolute monster last year. He was. I, I completely agree. And I think where – I think why he's off for me is, is what we just talked about. In this modern NBA, and, and not that you can't be successful as a different type of center because he's about as successful as you can be for a non-stretch center. And even J-Val – He shot 37% while, from three. three. Exactly, yeah. I, I wonder – let me check the attempts. Point I nine, I think. Like, Okay, one a game. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to trend up as he gets older. Um, but for me, limited rim protection and uh, pick and, I mean, pick and roll, sure. But for me, it's, it's a defensive thing. I just put such an emphasis on my center playing defense. It's not even like he's a trend rock. Like we saw that. There's the same exact on and off. And then on top of that, th which kind of just – pushes him just outside the edges the dude just can get in the foul trouble and I want my center to be a little yeah. bit more solid and consistent and know that I can trust him and and you even saw in the I don't know if people remember but in the playing game the dude was eating the Warriors alive but just pick he picked up four fouls in like 15 minutes and then the dude it kind of just it took him out of the game the rhythm was gone and it wasn't the same even when he was back and they could play him. And so just picks up a little too many fouls, but, uh, and, and you kind of see it. I'm not going to say, again, this is not an end all be all, but I think the fact that the Grizzlies were part of it is Jaron and him being there. I don't think if they don't have Jaron, they're not going to do it. And they got Steven Adams back, but I think, yeah, that's the thing for me. And I think that's why the Grizzlies were willing to let him go because Jaron has that rim protecting potential whereas Val doesn't quite, but he does so many damn things wrong. I love that you brought up the offensive rebounding because it's so underrated. You can miss a shot and still get it back. And he can go get it, miss it again, go get it. I love Val. I think he's super under. And, and he got tossed aside from Toronto. And I think he's really rebounded nicely since that point to the point where he's like 
if that's your starting center, you feel you don't feel bad at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, bro. My ten is Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and uh, wow, you put goal. him, you put him that far back. You are Dude, a huge Kristaps guy. I that's love a big Christoph. surprise to me. I, I know. absolutely love Kristaps. He's still one of my probably top five favorite player for me, at least top ten. Um, but and I have, I feel like now I have to talk about why he's why I have him this low as opposed to why I still have him in the top ten. Because I wonder if you pulled people like I, I think a lot of people would push him out just based off these playoffs. He's so a, he's a very polarizing player in the NBA too. Like exactly. there are people that legitimately think he's a top five ish big, and there's people mm-hmm. that think he's not even in the top twenty. And, and right. that doesn't go for a lot of these guys, and, you know. And it's exactly, exactly. It's kind of consensus with a lot of these guys. So for me, let let's start with this year because that's the the glaring thing where, it, you know, he came over, had a good first year in Dallas, showed a ton of promise in New York came back you know two years ago in the first year in Dallas off that ACL and looked really good and at his peak at his peak he's a rim protector who can stretch the floor at a very good level which is exactly what I want but there's no denying that he sucked in the playoffs and and sucked on defense for really large he had some weird I don't even know if I weird is the right word but he had some games towards the end of the regular season where he was good defensively. Like he actually, they had like this deep, this belt player, the game belt. And then he got it a couple of times towards the end of the year because he had some, but it wasn't consistent. And then in the playoffs, he looked terrible. But my, the reason why I still have him 10 is like I, like I just talked about, he has the ideal skill set. And I think what's not talked about enough is you saw Jaron Jackson and maybe the Grizzlies were a little bit more cautious on top of maybe it was a slightly different tear, but it was a very similar injury. And Jaron Jackson took an extra like two, three months from KP. So I think, I don't think KP was fully KP off the knee last year. And I think it, it showed the most in the defense. So I think, I think he comes back and is a lot better defensively next year with a whole off season to, to rehab. But I also think, and I, and you know this as a hooper, it's all rhythm. You can do whatever you want in practice. Basketball is such a rhythm and such a mental sport. If you're not locked in, and you can say that about every sport, but like if you're not there mentally, if you don't feel comfortable, you can't. It's so much tougher. And then it's not like they can go. They went to him and got him touches. So he has to try and find his rhythm, especially in the playoffs, spotting up getting minimal touches and it was just not a recipe for success for him so i'm i'm kind of hedging in the middle where it's like i love the skill set i he's still 25 26 i still think he gets back to there but at the same time like i have to dock him based off of last year i can't just watch all of last year and just be like all right i don't i'm not counting that at all so that's why he slotted in that 10. I think every guy ahead of him is a, has been a lot more consistent. Um, and I had K, I literally had KP four, four or three, maybe damn near even three last year. So yeah, um, where are you on KP? I know I, I see you in chat. I don't know if that's just trolling Chuck. I don't. It doesn't seem like you're too high on KP, but so um, so I have KP nine. He's my nine. So I'll go ahead and okay, talk so about him right perfect, now. Perfect. And I think 
it's just so frustrating for me because if he was fully healthy, like fully healthy, could play 75 plus games in a year, the dude for me would no doubt about it be top five because he moves really big or he moves really well for how big he is. Um, He would be able to guard multiple positions if he could stay healthy as well. And I think that's one of the big reasons that um, you hit on is when you're hurt like that, you can't really move on defense and you can't switch. And that's one of the reasons he was getting absolutely crushed. And you're just like scared of contact. Like, contact. Yeah. You're not just in it. Like he, he looked like he was trying to be careful with himself all, all yeah. playoff. And he can be like, this is going to sound crazy, but he can be like that Miles Turner three block a game type of big. Like he's that good when he's, he's on blocking shots. Yeah, he's huge. He's he stretches the floor. On the foot, he's one of the most ridiculous, like streaky shooters. Like when he's on, just pulling up from thirty feet, like it's um, it's Steph Curry, like for a guy that's seven three, like, like not that look. level, but like he can pull from like thirty feet. It 30 is crazy. Feet. It's if you showed clips of Kristaps, like if you got in a time time machine, went back to nineteen seventy, and showed people clips of him, they would. They would freak out. They would be like, what is going on? This guy. And when I was, when I was looking into this too, I was looking at some of his old uh, rookie clips from when he was on the Knicks and he was bamming on dudes. Like he was going by people and then just dunking on guys out of nowhere. Like when he is healthy, like he's just such a, a revolutionary type player where like you, if you're going to build a basketball player in today's era, you build a seven, three shot creator that can block shots. You know what I mean? Like, He's that That's guy, and, too. Like, and if, if if he's healthy, man, like, and he has a healthy season, there's just no way you can't have this guy. He's gonna perform. He's gonna be a top five, six center in the league. Totally, and I think that's another thing to touch on. It's not just like I talked about the skill set being, you know, protect the rim, space the four, shoot threes, but it's it's not just like Miles Turner. Maybe he develops, but like. That's what he's going to do. Shoot threes and protect the rim. KP, you can go to. Like, he has shot-creating ability. You can go to him on the block. If you will close out too hard, he can put it on the dribble. But that is when he's healthy in himself. So, he's by far has the highest in terms of moving up on this list. He can fly up all the way to three, four, five. I had him. Like I said, I had him three last year. But I can't ignore what we saw last year. So, that's that's why I have him ten. I think that's why you have him nine. Where'd you have him last year? Whew. I don't even think I had him in. I mean, oh no, I had him seven. I was seven. a little okay. bit less. It's kind of for the same reasons, and I even moved him back a little more. And I think that's mostly because some guys made some jumps for me. But for sure, God, I, I just want to see him healthy. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I just want to see him healthy so I can see him perform at his peak. Like, I'm just a hoop so fan. Fun. You and me are just hoop yeah. fan. We just want to see it. Totally. And he is, without a doubt, one of my favorite watches just because you look at him and he's he's towering over dudes, but he has a handle. And he's like, he's like everything you want. It's just, can he stay healthy? And I think – Would you say would you say he's the best shot-creating center in the league? I think I go Cat. But okay. I was Joel, thinking Cat. I was, yeah, I was going to say Cat and B and him are my three. Like, yeah. those are my three – those are my three top shot-creating centers. Yeah. No, no doubt. And Cat and, and Joel are, I, I mean, I, I've, I've only been alive for 25 years, but I, I damn near think you could put Cat and Joel as the best 
shot creating centers ever because yeah. centers weren't asked to shot create. Um, yeah, so I think he'll move up, and, and I think you see it too. Like I love this is this kind of goes into fantasy or whatever, but like I love to buy stock on guys who get shit on in the media who have down years because they have a whole off season and you literally just fed them motivation. So I, I can't help but think after three four months of just being in the gym every day. I'm all, I follow him on Insta. He's been in the lab. I, I do think he's going to have a really good bounce back here, similar to we saw with PG this year. And, and again, every true hoop fan knew PG was going to come back this year. Like no, no true hoop fan saw last year was like, Oh, PG's done. And if you read Twitter, you would think oh, PG was going to retire at the end of the year, but let's go to nine, be, bro. One oh, last ahead. thing, just to go as fast as I can. I no, think the thing with Kristoff too, you have a whole new coach, Jason Kidd, with a whole new system. And I, you and me both agree on this. You can't play him next to Dwight Powell. You can't play him next to Willie Colley Stein and, and Boban. Like, that just doesn't work. He's a center that needs, like, a Dorian Finney at the four or, you know, stuff like Josh Richardson yeah. left. But him playing small ball alongside him. Like, he is not good when he is playing alongside yeah, a humongous yeah. guy. So, I'm excited to see a new DFS system. DFS next one. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right, let's go to nine, and it kind of mixes in. Let's go. I got uh, – I know you had KP. I got Miles Turner. Um, and I think this is another polarizing player, and I think most people that are listening to this are like, bro, why, why do you have Miles Turner? So let me tell you. Um, and I feel like Miles Turner is one of those guys that hoop fans, guys who really love the game, have for the, like the last two, three years have been just waiting for that Miles Turner breakout. Like, oh, this is the year. I remember three years ago being like, oh, this is the year Miles Turner breaks out. And it just never really comes. And I want to rewind to last year because he's out playing in Indiana. No one's really watching the Pacers because they're the Indiana Pacers. But for the first two months of last year, that dude was a legit force. That dude was blocking every single shot that came into the paint. He, the, he had multiple, like, five-block games. He had a game where he had, I think, ten blocks. He, the dude erases everything at the rim i i legitimately think he's the best shot blocker in the league i i don't think it's that close he's mobile he uh he's i know this doesn't like this isn't a perfect like nba skill but if you watch this dude this dude is a yoga freak this dude can like balance on his head like he's just an absolute insane athlete and then on top of that he has the stretch the floor mindset or skill set he hasn't to this point shot the ball like super well from three. He's it's at the point where he's a, a threat at least. I think he shot 33% from this year. But I, I I do think his shot mechanics are very repeatable. I think it's a guy, I think he's a guy who eventually can shoot 37, 38% from three because they're all for the most part wide open. And on top of all this, I know we're not really factoring in age, but you look, you talk about Miles Turner, you he's been in the league seven years. The dude is still 24. So I think 25. Okay, he's 25 now. But he he still has a lot of development. Like he is not even peak Miles Turner yet. So I think a lot of it is obviously staying healthy. He hasn't been able to do it for 82 games. But if I'm going into next year, I know that guy is he's mobile. He's gonna erase everything at the rim and he spaces the floor. He's a threat. You can't help off of him. And if you do, I I I have full confidence that he can stroke it. 
if he's wide open. It's never translated at a super efficient rate, but I still am in on Miles Turner. I know you're probably going to give me shit because I have him in fantasy. I would be saying this if I didn't have him in fantasy. I love the skill set. It hasn't come for 82 games, and I know maybe people will also point to the rebounds, but DeMontis is just a rebound sucker. He just snatches all those up. I, I think Miles realizes that's not my, my role is not necessarily to go grab every board. I need to be in a position to go block the shot. And that might, bro, are you, are your eyes, are you allergic or something? Bro? Your no, eyes, I, my, my, one of my eyes is just bothering me, but it doesn't all right. matter. <laughs> um, all right. So that's where I'm at on my turn. I know it might seem a little outlandish, uh, especially given the fact that he was hurt basically the whole second half of the year. Um, and availability is a big thing, but, I love this skill set, and I still think he's just too young to say, all right, this is who he is. He's never going to be healthy. He doesn't score. Like, I think he is the ideal center for the NBA right now, um, and I'm betting on that eventually showing up. So, Miles Turner last year, he only played in 47 games, right? He had mm-hmm. 12 games of five blocks or more. He had – uh, six games of six blocks or more, and he had two eight block games and a seven block game. Like the dude was <laughs> playing, good? And, and 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 what people don't realize is the guy's playing twenty six to twenty eight minutes a game most nights because Sabonis plays a lot of center, um, and for, uh, it's just really hard for those two to play next to each other. So I don't know how many average, but a lot of these games where I'm seeing yeah, thirty one last year, but that was the first okay. year that he broke thirty. Okay, so a lot of these games that he had big blocks in, he was averaging like 28, 32, like 31, 27 minutes. And, like, the guy isn't just a, a minutes monster. It's not like a Jokic or a beater where when these guys can play as many minutes as they can, they are. Like, if he gets a true opportunity, like, I think you're on the same page as me. as I really wanted to see him go to Boston and see him work because I think he's a great fit there. Um, but Miles Turner is, is, is a perfect um, – five in the league right now it's just a really tough position next to Sabonis and I think one of the reasons I can't put him in the top 10 yet is I just haven't seen him play um on his own enough minutes at the true five like with next to Sabonis it's just so it's just so weird to me I need to see it elsewhere and and I really think he cannot progress next to Sabonis I I just don't I see I don't think it's set up to I I don't think the fit on paper makes sense, or on the court or anywhere you slice it makes sense. But I'm hoping Carlisle can find some sort of balance. And this is now like year four, year three of them, like really, really being together that I hope that it's just the natural progression of being together for that long helps them. But 110 defensive rating with him on the court, court, (laughs) combined floor and court. Uh, and 115 uh, defensive rating when he was off the court. So, just a monster on defense, bro. I'm all in on Miles. I'm going to be tweeting about him all year because now he's on my fantasy team. Uh, but I, t- I, I get why people aren't ready to – people like yourself aren't ready to put him in there because we haven't really seen it. We haven't seen it. But if I was starting my team going into next year, there are only eight centers I'd ah. – I mean, Would you rather have Javel or him? I'm going Turner. Year. I'm going Turner, yeah. bro. I'm going Turner. Um, 
for everything like that. I'm just because I, I know he's going to erase everything at the rim. Um, all right. Do you, do you have anything else on, on Big Mike? I was just going to say, like, people, and just to remember, like, the dude averaged 12 and 6. Yeah, you're making, you're putting a top exactly. 10 center that's averaging 12 and 6. People are going to get pissed because, like, no, you know what I mean? Like, curious on me. I'm going to get Instagram comments. A hundred percent. But if I you hope. watch, if you watch the game of basketball, I think, and you really understand, I think you, people will understand where you're coming from because he does everything, like to the highest degree that you want from a center. Like mid thirty five percent. Like all these yeah. guys that are going to be at the top of our list are guys that are, are stars. Like between thirty five and thirty eight percent from three. The best yeah, of the best comes at center, which he does. Exactly. And he blocks even more shots than them. So it's like if if you're not a star center, like. I want Miles Turner. Exactly. Uh, you know, like, obviously, if I can go get a star, give me a star. But if not, if you're not, give me Miles Turner. Although I do have his teammate at eight. Oh, <laughs> dude, I feel like I feel like I'm almost just like trying to balance like respecting these dudes. I feel like I gotta get a little bit more bold, but I got Sabonis at eight. But dude, I feel like you would take Miles Turner over Sabonis though. That's the I, crazy thing. Uh, see, I, I would, but it's just like the production that Sabonis put up last year in the past two years, I can't ignore it. And I would think I could just go about if, if I, okay, you give me Sabonis and then I, I create my team around Sabonis. Miles Turner is a better fill-in center, but like, I guess I'd rather start with Sabonis. And, and I, we both kind of talked about it. Sabonis doesn't protect the rim. He doesn't shoot for three, although he kind of – I do think part of the reason why I'm okay having him eight is because even though he didn't, like, shoot the three and hasn't to this point shot it super great, I think he can get there. He has, like – he shoots it well from the line. He started to, like – you see every year he shot it a little bit better and more. I think eventually, just like Miles, and I think the way the league's going, these centers know that they have to – if they want to be great, they got to implement that. So I think he's going to continue to do that. I love the playmaking, absolute beast on the boards, absolute beast in the paint. And so just all those put together. Elite, elite passer too. Elite, exactly. The, the, the playmaking is probably second to, to the yoke in terms of that. Maybe yeah. Vooch, maybe Vooch, but I'll go, I'll go Sabonis. Um, you know, he's going to snatch everything up on the boards. And an underrated thing, I love bigs. With great hands. Like, Miles Turner doesn't have great hands. Yoke has the best hands I've ever seen, just in terms of, like, he eats the ball. The ball just, just like, melts into his hand. Sabonis has similar hands where just – if he catches it, it's his board. Um, and so that combined with – if you get it – again, I don't think the post-up is, like, the ideal way to run your offense. Like, if your number one option is a Sabonis post-up, I don't think that's ideal. But I do think there's something to be said for if you go post him up, He'll eat if you're not a good defender. And a lot of times he can draw two and you know he'll find them, whether it be a dump off or kicking it out. Um, All-star the past two years. I just felt a little bit disrespectful putting Turner over him based off the just the production he's done. And and I know you can you can point to the on-off numbers that the Pacers were actually worse with him on the court last year. But I uh, – there were so many minutes last year where he was sharing the floor with just shitty. Uh, I mean, they're in the NBA, but just not NBA guys. Um, the Pacers had to deal with 
Nate Bjorgen was not the coach for them. Malcolm Brogdon was out. Miles Turner was out. There were so many times where it was just a bonus and a bunch of idiots out there. So I can't put everything into those numbers. And yeah, he's not my like ideal center, but I think he can space the floor eventually. And basically he gives you everything besides a rim protector and at a really, really high level. So I think most people honestly would say he should be higher than eight. So I think this is lower than where people think. But I, I, I got to give him a slight edge over Miles just because of the production is so much better than than Miles and, and even KP. Um, it'd be, it'd be and, really and, interesting. It'd be really interesting to see DeMontis Sabonis in like a legit playoff series, like an Eastern Conference final where he doesn't have Miles Turner next to him and he has to play the five because he literally can't protect the rim and he's not really a force on defense. Like, I wonder yeah. if he would almost get played off the court in a sense say, because he can't there's defend. A there's a very decent chance that my, that. But then again, he gives you so much back offensively, you know? Like, I, I agree. I, I think there are certain situations. And again, a lot of these players are matchup based. But so like if you get him in the wrong matchup, he's gonna be in trouble on defense. But I also think he can go right back and be a linchpin on the offensive end in a lot of different areas too. Um but yeah, I, I ideally if you have Sabonis as your five, you ideally have like an A D I mean no you don't just pull an A D out of nowhere, but you have like a four like A D or Giannis who can weak side come and protect shots at the rim? Because Sabonis is, if you get downhill and go at Sabonis, you're probably going to be able to get a layup. Um, anyway, anything and, else you want to talk about, Sabo? And the reason I didn't have him on my list is he's more of a power forward for me just because he's been next to Turner for so long. And I explained totally. that to you earlier, but I just couldn't have him on my center list because he just plays so much dang power forward next to uh, Miles Turner. But yeah. they're kind of interchangeable, and he's definitely like, if he was on another team, you'd have to play him at center. Like, uh, I just he think you'd have to. He looked it up on, on basketball reference, and who knows how fucking accurate it is. Because some of the shit I see in him, like, dude. They, they have, like, Duncan Robinson, like, 21% of the time playing power forward on there. Which, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, and that's honestly is the case. But they had it on basketball reference as 50, 51, like, 49 in terms of power forward center, which makes sense. But and I they stagger their minutes sense. like that, too, so it makes yeah. sense. I think he makes more sense as a banger as a five as opposed to a four-spacing four. I don't think he's quick enough to, to guard force. Um, and he does – like, he again, I think he'll eventually get there, but um, not there yet as a shooter, although I think he has the skill set. He shot like 33%, I think, or 32% yeah, from three. which is about what Miles Turner shot. So you're right. Just a much smaller sample size in terms of per-game shot. Um, all right, give me – hit me with your eight. Okay, so my eight is going to be Vooch. And I think even eight, like, when I put him at eight, I was like, damn, this seems like kind of a, a low spot to have Vooch, who has all-star last the, year. Yeah, all-star last year, made the old all-star team multiple package. year. Was basically, I'm not going to say solo, taking that Magic team to the playoffs because – No, eight, he was. Because – Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. Back in, I, I mean, he had some – he was so low even, last e- year. Yeah, even last year. And last year, 100%. So, like, some of those other years, man, it was, like, Fournier and, and just AG. Yeah. Like, yeah. Vucevic is an unbelievable basketball player offensively. 
and does everything you want from him, like unselfish, passes the ball, shoots efficiently, um, can rebound at a super high rate offensively and defensively. But he just, I mean, he just doesn't do enough on defense. And I haven't seen him able to impact a game enough for me to have him high up in my top 10 center ranking because like every time he made the playoffs, they just got absolutely smacked. And I don't know. That's, that's why I was trying to say this earlier. Like this is such a big year for Vooch because he has the pieces around him, right? He's got defenders around him. He's got Pat Williams. There's no, there's no excuses for him this year. Um, And we'll really see how good he is. But I mean, Vooch is similar to the bonus in their offensive games where like they have, Oh, Pretty good hand, or he is, he's got good hands. Great passer, can shoot very shoot. well. Great post back moves. to the basket bucket. Yeah. He just doesn't. He just doesn't protect the rim, and, and I just have a real problem with my center not being able to protect the rim. And, and so yeah. him and Zabonis would be pretty much interchangeable for me. I'd pretty much have him tied at eight. Like those guys are are, are so similar yeah. to me. It, it sounds like, yeah. Each it's it's like both of us had guys in this eight spot for the same reason just you went Vooch I went to bonus and I went I just gave the nod to Sabonis because the, the Pacers were a little bit better with Sabonis but like I mean I, I touched on it earlier it was just like he was keeping the Magic team afloat and again a lot he had to grind 36-37 minutes so I can't put a ton of stock into the numbers really basically being the same with him on and off but I think for me and it's hard going to a new team for sure. And Levine got COVID literally as soon as he got there. But it's weird that the, the Bulls go give up this huge package for him. And they did. They weren't any better with him at the second half of the year. And again, there can be logical arguments that you can point to as to why that is. But like you said, this is a huge year because he's had all offseason to get assimilated with this team. He's added – the Bulls have added so many guys. P. Willie should take a, a jump. There's depth there. They've got a good coaching staff. There's no excuses for Roots this year. And if they if they end up as another, like, middling, maybe slightly above 500, even eighth seed, it just confirms for me, all right, Roots gives you a ton offensively, but it's offset basically all given back by his defense. Um, and ultimately, for me, that, that lands him just outside the top. Only, only dude in the top 10 too that shot 40% from three last year. Like the dude yeah. it is the definition of a four spacer. Like the guy shoots the yeah. three ball as well as like some almost elite wing three point shooters, like not in the mid forties, but like low 40% is ridiculous. Like I would say he's probably the best three point shooting big in the league. I'll get, I'll take cat, but he's second to me. He's for yeah. sure second to me. Um, all right. We kind of alternated. You give me uh, your seven now. Okay, so seven for me here is Clint Capella. Okay, I like that. And do you have you have Clint Capella in your top ten, correct? Uh, he's not there. Okay, good. I was about I guess just I love Clint, bro. And I fuck with Clint so much. Clint Capella on the Rockets. I think we saw flashes of, of, of really how great he was, not only in the pick and roll but defensively. But you just couldn't figure out, not necessarily because he's a different player than Vooch, but the same way, like, how much does this guy impact winning? He's next to Harden. He's next to CP. And, and he was not able to play against the Warriors, right? Like, 
Exactly. So he was getting t- he was getting taken off the floor. They were playing, you know, Covington at center or, or all these guys playing really small ball center. You're like, you know, why isn't Clint Capel on the floor? We see these flashes of him where he's, you know, 20 and 10 consistently protecting the paint. And now he just can't stay on the floor. But this year in Atlanta, it was a, a what a career, year, bro. I mean, it what was a, a career year for him. I, you don't even have to look at the numbers. And, and he averaged 15, 14, um, not really any assists, two blocks, shots almost 60% from the field. Dude had ridiculous advanced stats, too. Like, yeah. almost a 25 PR. That is elite. That is, like, to the levels of, of, of Embiid. Not necessarily Embiid, but, like, Rudy Gobert. Better than Rudy Gobert. Better than Cat. Better than Van. Like, this guy had an absolutely ridiculous year. Playoff and series. it didn't get talked about, bro. It didn't, it get, didn't talked get talked about, about because it's Clint Capella, and that's why we're here to talk about it. I, I love that you had him here. I had him and, six. And, and I almost had him six. I'll get to my six when I get there. And I, I just I, think I 100% know who your six is. <laughs> who? I'm not going to fucking break it right now. Okay. But just the way Clint Capella played in those playoffs, he – what that said to me is this dude is a starting center on a championship team. There's there's no doubt about it in my mind. This guy can start and play and win a finals next to Trey Young. Like, this is why this Atlanta Hawks team, when they sign John Collins, I don't know what their plan is because they're going to have to max Capella, right? Yeah. They're going to have yeah. to max I, him. I, I when, when's his contract end? Two years. Okay. Yeah, I guess they'll – I honestly – I think the slank is like he gets off to just like the numbers and making everything. I honestly think they hope that Onyeka can take over for him in two years, and they don't have to pay Clint that money. And that's my guess. And that's what I was. That was my thought process too. Is I don't think with them paying John Collins that he's in their future, and they're just going to yeah. use that Onyeka rookie deal. But he was. So, if you take Clint Capella off of that team. Do they, they don't, don't stand of, a shot against Philly. They get swept they don't, against Philly. They don't shut. And, and I said this to you before the Philly season or the Philly series. I said, Clint Capella is going to be the X factor here. And I think he's going to foul mm-hmm. out of a lot of these games or be into foul trouble. And he wasn't. He played Embiid like an absolute monster. Didn't get into foul trouble. Like Embiid gets everyone into foul trouble. Like the guy yeah. just. That Philly series for me just just boosted him up so, so high and, and for sure, and and you can go on about him, but I, I mean, I love him Dude, as I, a starting center, and he doesn't even space the floor. That's the thing. Dude shot zero yeah. percent from three, didn't make a single three all year, and it doesn't matter. A, I don't even know if he took a three, uh, no. and I don't I don't think he will ever take a three. <laughs> but that is a hundred percent okay with me, and I kind of talked about it with Miles Turner, where it's like if if my guy's not a star, give me Miles Turner, but I think. Really, if my guy's not a star, give me Clint Capella because he's perfect in terms of just like the perfect archetype in terms of like rim protection, rolling to the rim, simplifying your role, and also like you talked durable. about Durable. He's durable. durable at this he, point. He will play every single game. And you talk about it with JV too. Like that man eats offensive boards. He just taps it to himself. He He's so – you can tell when – centers especially because the game moves so fast and you see it especially with someone like Wiseman last year games are moving just way too fast for the man he's two steps behind you can see it when it finally slows down Clint knew Clint was always there to protect the rim 
he knew what his job was and no matter what and and you know he had to be Trey Young I don't think he's as as terrible as he's thought of I don't still don't think he's good but he the guard opposite guard is going to get downhill against Trey Young just because of his size a decent amount and Clint Capella always made sure he was in he put a clinic on just making sure he was there even if he didn't block it to be there and protect the rim and when you have that and know that and that's why why Rudy is so high up for us is when you have a guy that that can do that it makes everyone else's job on defense so much easier and on top of all this okay he's not a guy you go post up but if he gets the ball in the paint it's probably a bucket he has good touch and he has great instincts so even when whether it's his teammates or himself when he's missing he's getting he, he's an elite offensive rebounder he's whether it be tipping to himself or just grabbing it he's the perfect role playing five and- and, and the I, NBA has completely no turned to pick and roll. It's completely turned to, 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 to the pick and roll game. It's yeah. Trey Young in the pick and roll every time. It's Luka Doncic in the pick and roll. LeBron James. It, it, that's what the NBA is now. It's almost except the pick and roll. Except for Steph Curry. Because Steve Curry doesn't like the pick and roll. Except for Steph Curry. And sometimes <laughs> the Jazz are throwing the ball around. But even the Jazz are throwing the ball. Like, the no, NBA is just – it, it's pick and roll because it's impossible to defend. And Clint Capella, often, I, you don't even have to get me started about him defensively in the pick and roll. He's so good in terms of switching and getting back and stuff. like It's so elite. And you would never think about that with, with a guy like him and how big he is. But offensively, Clint Capella is a monster in the pick and roll. Like, him just flying at the rim because he's so, like – You have to respect it. You have to respect it. And Trey Young just puts it in the right place every time he finds every it and throws it down. Or he, he's so in control, too. He'll go up, grab the ball if he can't finish. Like he's not one of those guys who just tries to throw it exactly. at the basket. You know what I mean? The game He'll come down, down pump him, yeah. He even has a nice, like, up and under move with his left hand. Like, he's developed yep. a really nice game around the rim. Not necessarily back to the basket, but when he catches it down there, 100%. he's smart and he's very – Under control. He even has developed – Under control and developed touch. It's really impressive. Yeah. And, and, and you see, this has not always been the case. So that's why it's – it's huge props. He wasn't in either of our top ten because of everything that you said. And I want to go back on it. I don't think necessarily people now are saying it, but I think the reason partly why he got played off against Golden State, we will never see a team like that. They he they literally had to go up against Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala. So no shit. At every center in the league would get played off the court damn near it, it, against yeah. that five. So that's why, um, and, and he knows his role. He, I love that because, again, I don't think the post-up, unless you're Joel Embiid or even Nikola Jokic, is a they're, they're, I'd rather go run a pick and roll with an elite shot creator. He doesn't demand these touches. He knows his role. And I, I, I remember watching an interview where he had like a 20-20 game, and they were interviewing after, and he just kept talking about like, Bro, like, I know exactly what my team needs for me every night, and I work hard to make sure I provide that every single night. And that is so valuable in a league where, you know, brands and there's egos and all this involved. When it comes to winning basketball games, you know exactly what that man brings. He's going to give it to you every night consistently for damn near 70, 75 games a season. And that's extremely valuable, and that's why he's my sixth.
as opposed I know you have him seven, but it sounds like we're in the same boat. Yeah, and he made a huge jump for me. And he's still relatively young. Like, dude's 27 years old. Yeah, no, 100%. But we do see, like, it'll be interesting because a guy like him, you know, a lot of a lot of the rim protection is, you know, athletic ability. Obviously, it's mine, but, like, you have to have the athletic ability. Um, and we'll see, like, when that kind of starts to wane, which is, yeah, it'll be interesting because if he, if he is at this level still in two years, I think you've got to pay him regardless. He's unless a max Unless Onyeka's like, unless Onyeka's like just shown insane flashes, maybe you consider moving off of Capella for him. But like, yeah, I mean, Clint is perfect for just a role-playing center. He does everything besides shoot the two. Um, or shoot, no. All right, I'll go to my seven now. And I think, I think this is your six. DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and DeAndre's a DeAndre was a hard guy. The the reason I have Clint was, for me last year, DeAndre Ayton in the regular season still was super inconsistent. Like there were plenty of times, Monty kind of Williams, invisible. Invisible is another word. Inconsistent, invisible. There were times where Monty Williams legitimately benched him in, in crunch time for even sometimes Frank Kaminsky, right? And but where but we talk about it all the time, like the playoffs are when it matters. And that man showed up in the playoffs. And and you look at the regular season numbers, fourteen and ten, they were actually cra- crazy enough, bro. Regular season, he was hundred nineteen offensive rating with him on the floor, one fifteen with him off. So better with him on the court. But they were four points better on defense with him off the court. And I think that's the reason why he didn't always close games. But in the, the playoffs, he absolutely had addressed all those issues. And the playoffs are what matters the most. So that's, that's why I have him here. I do have him behind Clint just because of everything we talked about and the consistency aspect of it. But the dude showed when he's engaged, he is an absolute monster. He's huge, great hands has the ability to protect the rim, rebound, and, and then what can separate him from Kakar and why you probably have him ahead, I'm not quite ready yet, but why you probably have him ahead is the offensive game, you can actually go to him in stretches. He he has a post fade that actually is unstoppable when he's, when he's on. He has insane touch around the rim, and he's huge. So um, for me, it was just the consistency and the age. Um, and the fact that the Hawks literally, damn, they went and beat Philly, a Joel and beat Philly team, you know, like, and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I had to give the edge to Clint just based off of last year. Um, but, but DeAndre's another guy just like KT who can fly up these ranks. Um, but I know you're a huge DA guy, bro. So go ahead and give me, give me your, give me your shit on, on DA. Yeah, dude, I, I'm in, in love with, with DeAndre Ayton. And the reason I, I put him above Cabell, that was like the toughest thing for me is who I was going to put there. And I think I did it because I think DeAndre Ayton is going to progress big time next year. And I, totally. I think I think Capella can still get, you know, a little bit better. But I think DeAndre Ayton has the ability to get a lot better. Um, he shot like 20% from three. I think he's going to develop in a couple of years an actual respectable three-point shot. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna shoot. I think career like he'll be close to thirty percent at some point. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he made the leap this year. But 
Another big reason for me is you can't foul the guy. If you foul him down low and you hold on to him when he's down there, like if you foul Clint Capella, you're sending a 50% free throw shooter to the line. If you foul down eight, you're shooting an 80% free throw shooter to the line. Yeah. And you just can't do it. It's why you can't foul him be down there and he's so dominant. When these bigs, it's why you can foul Rudy Gobert as well. And sometimes that stretches he had to get off the board because it was a hack of Gobert. You can't do that with DeAndre Ayton. When he is down low and you foul him, he's going to knock down free throws. And he's smart. Yeah. He's actually a better passer than he thought. He's great in the pick and roll. He made huge strides. He shut down AD in the playoffs. Um, not shut down, but did an, a really, really good job and was a big piece and a big reason on why they won that series. Um I think he was the main reason they won that series, to be honest. Like, Booker was good. CP was yeah. good. But Aiden We talked was about elite. it before that, too. Yeah. And obviously, he, he, he was elite. Hurt, but DA was unreal that whole series. And really, I mean, really, DA was unreal the whole playoffs besides the finals. And you can't really fault him. He was kind of getting eaten by Giannis, I can't lie. And Brooke Lopez had that one game with Blue for 33, who actually was another honorable mention. Forgot to mention him, too. But, um, I'm with you, bro. He has every single tool to be an elite center in this league. I just I, – I, I couldn't put him above those six just because – What do you of, think his numbers are next year? So it's weird because – I think that's a good question. Um, because, I mean, I think part of me – part of me thinks that, you know, that front office and Monty and even CP and Book realize, like, Aiton is more than just a role play. Like, we can go to him at times. I think they do that a little bit more than they did this year, but I also don't think it's a full-on, all right, let's give Aiton as many touches offensively as CP and Book. And I think that's fair. So I think for me, I think he's around 16 points per game this year, up from 14 last year. A jump, but not like a massive jump, just because CP and, and Book demand the ball so much. Now, if CP3 gets hurt and sits a lot, that changes things. But I think I'm around like 16, 11. 16, yeah. 11. I think I got him close to like 18, bro. And Maybe I could a little totally bit. see that. I could totally Because, see that. like you've mentioned before, I think CP misses time. And people are going to say, why is CP missing time going to like make him score so much more? But because Booker's still going to be out there, but he shoots. <laughs> the ball every time exactly it's going to be instead of booker and cp it's going to be booker and Aiden. and i think clint capella is better in the pick and roll but i think Aiden is like you said a option a guy who has a mid-range like i said extend it to the i really like his post game um and then defensively he was miles better than i ever thought he was when i watched him in the playoffs so like effect, not getting into foul trouble like i said I love a guy that can shoot free throws too, man. A guy that yeah. can it's really foul him. Because they're banging down there. It's really under – Capella, Gobert, those dudes can't shoot free throws. They're still elite. But yeah. Aiton can get to the level, not necessarily – he can get to the Capella level, also be able to shoot free throws. So, for me, I think right. a leap, and that's the reason I love Capella. I, and I, I totally understand that. For me – I think the the emphasis for me is always at, at the five defense first. Like that's why I have you on the fours to be my eraser. And I think Capella is still a decent amount better than Aiden. And yes. and I think he's solid enough as a roller, even though Aiden has more potential to be a, honestly a much better offensive player. And like I said, that Hawks run last year was 
obviously people look at Trey and they had a lot of other guys, but Clint Capella was the backbone of that team and that defense. So I had to give the slight edge to him. Uh, so let's go to my fifth center. And uh, my fifth center is going to be Bam Adebayo. Um, where, where is he for you? I just want to know before we jump into it. He's at five as well. All right, bro. We're locked in. Um, all right, Bam Adebayo. So he's another one of those guys where, honestly, he's not – I, I talked about the, the big two skill sets in rim protection and three-point shooting. And it's weird because he's like – he can kind of rim protect, like be, just because he's an absolute freak. But he doesn't have the size of the elite rim protectors. Rim protector, so I don't know. He's more of like a weak side come and clean up at the rim as opposed to go challenge him. He'll stand in there and, and protect the rim type of guy. But I think, one, he's great defensively. He could switch. He's the best switching perimeter. He's by far, actually, the best perimeter defending five. And, and while that's not like in it's important. It's not like insanely important. It is definitely important, especially in this league where like you talked about so many pick and rolls. Um, but I think the reason why I have him over Clint, who does protect the rim super well, why I have him over some of these guys, like even Aiden, who has a great offensive game and showed, you know, defensively he can be good is uh, he really expanded. He can, he's every year he's gotten better offensively. This year he set career highs and in, in usage, his efficiency, his playmaking, his foul draw, drawing, he shot 80%, 80% from uh, the free throw line, and he shot the highest he ever has from, from mid-range as well. So I think of it like we've talked about with a lot of these guys, I think, you know, there's so many things that these guys are working on in the offseason. You're not going to see a guy jump up from like 30 to 40% in one year, but you've seen the steady progression in his shooting that I think eventually he will be a decent three-point shooter. And then on top of that, he's a, a great playmaker too. Like, not just like, like you see Sabonis and Vooch, sure, they can quote handle it. Like, they're not going to dribble it off their foot, but like Bam can legitimately kind of like push the pace and go out and transition. So, um, not a traditional center by any means, but I, I, I love Bam. I think five is a fair spot for him. We've seen him already been able to go to the finals. Last year was a super weird year for the Heat. He honestly, they weren't that much better with him on the floor, but it was just such a, really weird year for the heat covid i know everyone was dealing with that uh but i feel really really good with bam on my five i think that's the, the perfect spot for him yeah i love bam um like i've said before dude is is with a lot of centers in the league now like you know the turners the um even the Embiid's, um the the guys that just get hurt constantly because they're so big like durability is massive at the center yeah. position as well. He's yeah. a guy that's completely durable. He's only six, nine, like dude's a completely undersized, undersized. center. Yeah. yeah. Really undersized. He doesn't play like it at all. Like he's a true five plays a five at six, nine. And he is, is so good in terms of switching and guarding the perimeter. I think you kind of underplayed it. Like, I think it's a, it's the most important aspect of his game in a way, because you can't play him off the court. Like, you you just can't. He he, mm -hmm. he will be able to – there's not a lineup you can make where, like, Gobert is the defensive player there. There's lineups you can make that cause him trouble. There's no lineup that causes Bam out of bio trouble. He can bang with bigs, go out and guard on the perimeter. Um, so, defensively, like, his 
I, I don't know necessarily if you how you want to say it, but like him being able to guard legitimately one through five is huge. Um, he'll develop a three game. Um, he's an elite passer too out of that five spot. Like very very good passer, good decision maker, and he doesn't need the rock like some of these guys. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. Yeah. They'll they'll go through him at times at like that weird, like free throw line extended, up. like kind of like yeah. Jokic ish ish. Yeah. type play but where, it's where more they give like him the they, ball and they run shooters around him yeah duncan's yeah. a huge one where they run dunk him off yeah. at the top of the paint a ton and it's impossible to defend but um just a, and then a I'll guy talk that about insane in transition insane in transition he's probably the best handler of the basketball in transition at the five on our, on our list by far not close not close yeah um and i think i think the kind of the next step for him and why because you know, I, I didn't mean to downplay it per se. I just meant like, if that was strictly what he was, if that was strictly why the only reason he provided value, and that's kind of extreme, I couldn't have him five. And he's an elite switcher, right? But I yeah. also like, I, I really, why I'm okay and good, feel really good having him five is like the progression offensively. Like, I really do think he can be, I, maybe not MB level or Jokic level, but I think he can be a really good offensive player. I think, I don't think 20 points eventually is out of the question. The dude's still super, super young. And like now he's now at the point where it's like the mid range jumper is kind of like cash now, like to the point where it's like, bro, he averaged in the mid last year, 28 out of the question. I mean, like mid 20s. You're right. Yo, yeah. you're, I, I, I honestly, I would have guessed he would have been like around 17, 18, but. Um, Dude, I would have. I, I just don't think of him as too. like a, a go-to scorer. You know what I mean? I would have thought of him at like 14, 15. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like really realize until I started deep diving into this more of how good he is at putting the ball in the basket because he doesn't exactly. he doesn't get a ton of opportunities at it. He's just very right. efficient when he does it, and, and right, it's and unreal. You see guys like like Clint is like okay, he's rolling to the rim, and that's basically how he scores, but like. Bam has like an offensive game and it's not even just, it's not, I wouldn't even say it is ever post-ups. Like it's not like a back to the basket game. It's like touch. He's got a floater. Obviously when he's rolling, like he's huge and he can jump over everyone, but he has that mid range game to him, which I think really elevates him and solidifies him at the five spot on top of just elite defense. I mean, the guy's scoring 19 points on 12 shots a game. That is incredible. That's, That's very efficient. Um, and, yeah, I, I think last year was just super weird. But uh, Miami knows that they've, they've got an absolute centerpiece and, and him and Jimmy. And, that, and that's why I think they, they're comfortable with going and getting Kyle Lowry and saying, like, let's see how good we can be because Bam is really that damn good, you know? He's he's a really now that we're like talking back and forth. He's a really hard guy to try to explain how good he is and what his right. impact is because like, what does he do? Because he, he yeah. Because when he's you look not at gonna all, post like, you up. he's not going to post yeah, you go up. Ahead. He's not going to he's not going to sit through. under the rim and block every shot that comes under there like yeah. Gobert, Capella, or those he guys. Won't rail three. Exactly. He's just he's just he's not elite. Uh, other than switching he's just very good at everything you know what i mean like exactly. and another thing is he's like none of these guys other than than Jokic, i feel like are like have the iq that he has in 
off the ball where he's able to read passes and, and steal the ball and just make we plays that, 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 uh, that forwards can make. Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, all right. Let's go to four, bro. And I'm very extremely interested because we have – it's obvious we both have two guys at three and four, and I want to know where is what. So give me give me your four. It's going to be cat for me. Wow, we're laughing. What I do you got have? cat at four. I got cat at four, too. And I, I love put... that you didn't overreact to, to the Clippers series of 3D, and we'll get there, but let's go to cat. No. I mean, when the dude wins defensive player of the year, again, I'm not going to over – like, his impact yeah. is well, speech for itself. Are, but... are, that's the day and age we're in. But go ahead. Let's talk about cat. Carl Anthony Towns is another player that had a, a really – weird year like yeah the start of the year they were tanking he was you know he could tell you could tell he wasn't very happy with it um super frustrated with it he got banged up and like his mom died yeah i don't think people realize if your mom dies it's gonna be harder for you to to play basketball and not only that but he got caught with covid a lot of his family members got caught with covid after his mom passed away from that, like the toll that that takes not only physically on you, but mentally, like you can't, you have to just throw that year out for him. You can't even, you know what I mean? Like, and, and he's still that we're throwing year. out. He averaged yeah. 25, 10 and four on 48, 38 from three, 86 from the line. Like we're, it's, it's ridiculous numbers. And I I'm with you. I think I'm guilty of it. I think in the past, and I still had him, I think four last year. But I think in the past, I've been a little hard on him in terms of, like, dude, I haven't ever seen him win. But, like, I think the more I've watched and the more I've realized, it's like, dude, you can't expect 23-year-old Carl Anthony Towns to carry a dog shit Minnesota team that's never won anything, never had any semblance of a support. Yeah, okay, Jimmy Butler, but he was – that was when Carl was baby. But you – They were the four seed. They were the four seed? I, I remember they lost to the Rockets, I think. I thought they were the seventh seed. Regardless, I think they were the they made fourth the, seed. Dude. Regardless, they made the playoffs. Yeah, dude, we'll we'll go back and say. Regardless, they made the yeah. playoffs. But my point point being is, I think in the past I've been hard on them because I've been like, dude, they they haven't done anything with him as a lead guy. But at the end of the day, you have to look, and he checks every box. Sure, you could maybe poke some holes on defense, but I I still think he can be really good defensively, and then offensively. Look, Embiid and Joel, Embiid and Jokic are insane, but I, I think this guy could be better than both of them offensively, just because he's. A, I think he can shoot forty percent from. He's a career thirty nine percent shooter from three. You know, he he if he's wide open, it is down, and then on top of that, he can create for. He's actually a really good passer. I don't think that gets talked about at all. He's been a really good passer on a shitty Minnesota team. He's uh, – and he can put the ball on the floor. Like, it's not like if you close out and, and get there, he has to give it up. He will go attack downhill and has a handle. He He's an insane offensive talent, and he's still – we're sitting there. He's another one of those guys that's like, okay, he's been in the league forever. How old is he now? Is he even 25 yet? No. No, uh, I think he's 24. He just might, turned. He just turned – okay, he, he turns 25. No, he's 25. November. Just turned 25. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, 
the guy is a an absolute freak of a basketball talent and I will take that 10 times out of 10 I think and that's another thing Minnesota like you said obviously he was dealing with COVID himself his mom died eight family members died of COVID but once Ryan Saunders left and they brought in Chris Finch, they really made strides as a group. Like they, they threw the tanking out the window. I don't want to discuss it. I, I, I see so much people give them shit and sure they have a valid point, but I really think this coming year, you're going to see the value of them not tanking last year. I really think that they started to get an identity as a group. And I think this is going to be the year where you see Carl Anthony Towns really take a leap and and have the wolves it's going to be tough don't get me wrong I, and i i still doubt they're a playoff team but you see some just insane games where not only does he put up huge numbers but he wills that that timberwolves team to a win on top of those huge numbers um and I, like every guy behind them is just so much further behind him even bam who we just talked about so efficient Bam can't hold a candle to Carl Anthony Towns offensively. Like that dude is – and Bede does it in a different way. And Jokic, you have to factor in the passing, sure. But we've never seen a center with this amount of tools and offensive talent the way Carl Anthony Towns has. And it's, it's, it's absolutely special. It's just a matter of time before – they are able to put some guy or who knows maybe it's not a Minnesota and he eventually leaves and goes somewhere else but if he has a supporting cast around him Carl Anthony Towns with his mind right and he'll eventually get there can be a top five player in this league I'm not even joking yeah and and if you switch him and Joel Embiid in terms of, of their teams right now like you can't tell me that I mean defensively sure they'll take a, a step back but offensively like Carl Anthony Towns is just as good 40% from three. Just as good on offense. Three, like, it's I mean, Carlton Towns essentially missed the first 25 games of the season. He didn't even play. He dealt with all that, that stuff we just talked about. The guy, his second year in the league was averaging 25 points per game. And he's on an absolutely garbage team, and he was doing it with efficient numbers. Like, we talk about Ant putting up crazy numbers. He's not – really that efficient you put carl anthony town yeah, shooting 40 yeah. from three the, the numbers he's doing like it, it's just ridiculous like carl anthony towns okay. is probably the most skilled big in the league too i think you could he i i damn near think he could be he's the most skilled big honestly in terms of just raw tools ever yeah ever and and another thing before we move on is i watched uh, i watched a lot of those games at the end of the year too and it wasn't it, it's not like about him. He is more than ha- he's a team player. Like it, he got those 25 within the flow of the offense. It wasn't like he was never making it about him. It wasn't like I need the ball every possession. It was like, it was within the flow of the offense. And that's huge. It's not, he's not going to hijack the offense. He can go get you efficient 25 within the flow of the game. And that's huge. He is a, and- He's a winning player. It just hasn't worked out to this point yet. So this is pretty crazy. I just pulled up his game logs, and he only took more than 20 shots in 11 games, which for a player of of his caliber putting up the amount of points he's putting up, like that just shows you like this guy is is so efficient, so skilled, and doesn't 
demand the ball. Like he, he is, doesn't need the ball a hundred million times a game, taking 30 shots, Russell Westbrook type. Like I think he is a winning player and that's kind of the point I'm trying to make with him is when you have a guy that's unselfish as him, as good of a passer as him, efficient as him, sure. He's not a great rim protector, but even though he hasn't been, and even then teams, he's like better he's a winning player. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on, bro. I hope my laptop's not dying, bro. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're chilling. Dude, my screen just went completely black. No, you're still rolling. Okay, well, I mean, it's helpful. It's definitely helpful to have, you know, that's at my disposal. I was going to go to the on-off numbers because I already know they're much better with on the floor, but whatever, bro. We're going to just do the black laptops. Okay. So I was an idiot and I didn't realize that my laptop was about to die. I thought it was charging and it wasn't. So it just, it shut off mid cat talk. Well, slightly towards the end. So we're a little rattled, but uh, we should be good. We'll get back on the cat, bro. Um, I was actually, so I was going to pull the on off numbers up. I actually uh, am going to do that. While you, I know you're in the middle of watching Carl Anthony Towns highlights, but we'll wrap him up and then go to three. Carl Anthony Towns this year. And like we said, a lot of turmoil on that team. For a good part of the first half of the year, Ryan Saunders was a coach. Great guy, not a great basketball coach. But are you ready for this, bro? Yep. Are you fucking ready for this? Carl Anthony Towns this year, off the court. And again, he missed a lot of time. So Minnesota had 1,796 minutes with him off the court and 1,689 minutes with him on the court. With him off the court, a 104.8 offensive rating, not good. With him That's on the court, awful. a 116.5 offensive rating. Basically, we're the same defensively with him on and off. A lot of and, – and, and mind you, he's playing – with D'Angelo Russell, awful defensively. Malik Beasley, not good defensively. Ant Edwards has tools, not yet good defensively. So it wasn't like he was playing next to anyone good defensively. So I don't even think you can fault him. And again, same rating with him on and off. So they were essentially 13, 14 points better with him on the floor. And it just goes to show you, don't overthink this one. This dude is an absolute offensive monster. I, I know it might sound crazy to some. I, I think he can be the best offensive center in the league as soon as next year, two years. Um, it's just going to be you know, how they can, as a group, get that. This dude came into the league at 20 years old, played one year of college. Rookie year, 18 points a game. Sophomore year, 25 points a game. Then 21, 24, 26, 24. The guy is just a bona fide scorer that can rebound and pass the ball. Like, there, there's just not anything else to say. The guy's as elite as it comes in terms of offense. Like, not even big men, just offense in general, everyone. The guy is, is just as elite as it gets. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in complete agreement, and I think the world will see it next year because I think the Timberwolves are going to be a little bit better to the point where people can actually open their eyes and watch Timberwolf games. Um, all right, bro. I think we're coming up close on about an hour and a half. So let's, we don't have to spend too much time, but let's get to our three. I know for both of us, it's Rudy Gobert. Um, I wanted to touch on 
the whole Clippers thing because we saw it with our eyes, right? Rudy Gobert, quote, got played off the court. But the more I thought about it, the more I reflected on it, the main issue there was not Rudy Gobert, actually, in my eyes, because he was the, – the, the Jazz were getting broken down at the point of the attack every single time, whether it was Paul George, Reggie Jackson, whoever it was, they were getting downhill every time. And so because the Clippers weren't playing a five, and it was, you know, I think most notably it was Terrence Mann out in the corner, because they weren't playing a five, Rudy, Rudy came down to help every time because Bojan, Joe Ingles, Donovan, Conley were getting smoked. And so he had to come help. And he couldn't get back out to Terrence Mann. Be, be, and it was smart by Ty Lue. Instead of playing a five, he had a guy out there ready to shoot threes. But it's not Rudy Gobert's fault. He had to come down and help every single time because those guys were getting smoked. And no shit. Like, when you come down to help the rim, unless you're Bam Adebayo, and even Bam, it's you can't get back out there in time. And by then, you're already running to a closeout. So they kind of have you, you either shoot a three or it's easy to go by you because you're flying back out there. You're just a seven-foot monster. Rudy Gobert, the, the way Damian Lillard and Steph Curry bend defenses offensively, he bends the defensive floor because you can go get downhill however much you want. You're not going to beat Rudy Gobert in the rim the majority of the time. It is not an above-average shot in the paint. For whoever, I don't care if it's Steph Curry, James Harden, it, it's going to, even if he doesn't get to it, it's going to be affected. And so because of that, he is so damn elite on that end that it, it just makes me, it makes it, it makes it very hard for me to put him any lower than three. And on top of that, I think people, he does have free throw issues, but he's good offensively. He can't shoot it, but people don't realize like, I don't think he gets – maybe people realize, but he doesn't get enough credit for being an absolute elite rim roller. And you know, people – casual fans think he's bad on offense, like legitimately exactly. think he's bad. And he's not. He's absolutely no. not bad at offense. He's a bucket down there. And it's not just – like like he has touched down there. He has he, – he's calm. He's cool. Like you said, he's under control. And, yeah, he struggles at the free throw line. But he's even made strides at the free throw line where it's not like – Oh God, Rudy at the line. Like there's, you can go two for two and you're not like shocked, you know? And so because he's not a negative at all offensively, in fact, I think he's still a plus as a five rim roller easily actually. And then he's as good as we we've seen in this league as a rim protector. I, I can't, he's been the linchpin of a very good defenses. The jazz were obviously, we finally saw them kind of break on the scene we know obviously how it went in the playoffs, but I think if Donovan Mitchell's healthy, it's a little bit different. Um, and I know Donovan still had great offensive games, but if him and Conley are healthy, I think it's a little bit different. We've seen Rudy Gobert absolutely be a linchpin of a really, really good team. I can't put Cat above him, even though Cat's just insane uh, offensively. I got to give respect to Rudy and, and just how, again, the most important thing for me in my five is defense and he does what is the most important thing to me at the highest level that you can do it. Um, and I hope people aren't, yeah, aren't overreacting to last year too much because he was literally just trying to cover up for the guards getting smoked uh, at the point of attack every time. 
And you don't you don't just win defensive player of the year three times. That you don't just do that. No. That <laughs> rarely rare. It's it's Ben Wallace. It's I think it's Hakeem Olajuwon, and it's I think there's another one in there too. But those are like the best defensive bigs of all time. Rudy Gobert is going to go down as probably a top three defensive big man to ever play the game. Like, dude, if you told me he's one at the end of when it's all said and done, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, and he's 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 only led the league. I looked this up. He's only led the league in blocks one time, and it was 2017. So you, he's a great he's a great uh, shot blocker, elite shot blocker. But he does so much more than that. Like, he is 100%. he's not a he's not great at defending in the pick and roll. But a lot of people think that the reason he got played off the court in that Clipper series was because he was getting crunched in the pick and roll. And he wasn't great. That wasn't it at all. But the main reason was what you said. And, and the thing is like, they like Quint, sorry to cut you off, but like Quint Snyder knew this, like Quint Snyder didn't bench it even like they lived with it. And obviously they lost because of that. But like you, like we talked about, it wasn't, it wasn't him pick and roll. It was, the guards were getting downhill every time and he had to try and recover, but go ahead. Sorry. I know you cut it off. I was just saying like, yeah. he didn't get played off because Quinn knew this is still our best shot. I'm just trying to, to get the point across that this is a once in a lifetime defensive player, man. And, and I know people talk about how good he is defensively, but I don't think we even talk about it enough. Like this guy is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time in terms of defense. Like he is that dang good. He's athletic too. Like it's not like he's some guy standing down there that only can jump and just like affect shots. He can move in the pick and roll too on defense. Like he's able to jump in the air, recover, and then block your shot. He doesn't get into foul trouble for how big he is either. It's just his defensive prowess is just, it's the greatest I've ever world. seen. And, and you ready for this, bro? And I'm going to drive that point home for you right now. All right. And granted, he, you know, the Jazz, Quinn Snyder was the type of guy where he he played, you know, his starting five a good amount. He wasn't the type to load, manage, whatever. Sure. But so get this. He was on the floor 63% of the time, right? But in the minutes he was on the court, the Jazz had a 103.7 defensive rating. In the minutes he was off the court, they had a 116 defensive rating. Like, it's like it, the cat it's, offense on stat. That's literally the it, cat exactly. offense. Exactly. He stat. is what exactly. cat is on offense, on defense. And, and he's still very much violent. And on, on the offensive side, when he was on the floor, 120 offensive rating. When he was off, 114. They were 19.1 points better per 100 possessions with Rudy Gobert on the court. And I just don't want people to let that one series where it really wasn't even his fault let you convince you that he's not a top three center. You know, like obviously Jokic and Bees, those are literally MVP level candidates. We, I feel like we don't even talk about them that much. Everyone knows what they do. But outside of those two, give me Rudy Gobert. Yeah, if, if I can't get the two MVP candidates, like you're giving me Rudy Gobert because he is – I mean, he's the MVP on defense every year. Like, that's just how it is. <laughs> it, literally, he is the MVP on defense. And uh, like we said, defense is what I feel like is the most important thing for my center. Everything else is, is honestly kind of gravy. 
Um, because I, I got my point guards. I got my guards. I got my wings to go get buckets. Like, I don't need that from my five. Um, all right. And, uh, I, bro, I, we were locked. We were pretty in sync. We had, a, you know, 10, 8, 9 were a little different. But really, towards the strats, we, we see it the same way. Um, and I'll give you props, bro. I remember last year we had, like, a little mini debate. It wasn't even a mini debate. I just preferred Embiid over Yoke. But uh, I, I don't know about you, if you. I, it's Embiid 2, Yoke 1 for me now. You oh, had yeah. That it's it's Jokic 1 and Embiid 2. If you take health out of the picture, it's still Jokic 1. If Embiid was fully healthy all the time, it's Jokic 1 still it's, for me. It's closer, but... It's, it, it is closer, yeah, it's but still, it's still Jokic for me. And then you add in the health issues that Joel Embiid has had. Yoke plays Jokic. every night, every game, a ton of minutes. It, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the season he had. It's a... It is a crime that they didn't get a Christmas game, bro. That is so disrespectful. I don't care if Jamal's hurt. I don't care if Fasuno, Composo, and Austin Rivers are starting. You give Jokic a Christmas game. And you have MPJ, who's a – I mean, that's besides the point, but that's a fun guy to watch on Christmas too. But you, know, you give me Jokic on Christmas. You have to. You and me love Jokic too. I can't too. believe and I hate, that. I hate the people that say – Oh, Nikola Jokic is, is is the worst MVP in the last 20 years or whatever that BS. Like, Dude, anyone who says that, don't ever talk to me about basketball. <laughs> like this guy, Please. I don't think people realize they beat Portland with one of the worst playoff rosters I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And like, me and you both had Denver. Think about no. Let's think about that roster. You had Facundo Campazzo. You had Austin Rivers. Okay, you had those two guys might not be in the league in, the, in in a couple of years. Like realistically, you have Michael Porter Jr. who cannot play defense. All he can do is create his own shot. Defensively, he's terrible. Like absolutely That's awful. Flying everywhere, yeah. Jermichael How, Green, Jermichael Green, Monty Morris, who's Paul decent. Millsap, he's a backup point guard, forty-year-old Paul Millsap, who apparently is gonna have a great fantasy year. Um, <laughs> but if you think about uh, it, how, how, how does that team beat Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Nurkic, no excuse. Norman Powell, Norman Powell, Covington? The reason is Nikola Jokic the penis. is and that it, is that fucking good, dude. He's that freaking good. Like, there's no you can't no, do he's anything that fucking to stop good, him. Bro. You can't do anything he's, to stop him. It, at 121 offensive rating with him on the floor, 108 with him off the floor. 121 offensive rating with him on the court. That is – I don't think people realize how crazy of a number that is, dude. Like, you can go ahead and explain how hard it is for someone to get in the 120s, but when you look at it from other advanced stats, like win share, Nikola Jokic, 15.6, right? He adds 15.6 wins. Rudy Gobert, 11.3. Joel Embiid, 8.8. Carl Anthony Towns, 5.4. Bam Adebayo, 8.8. DeAndre Ayton, 8.4. Some of those guys weren't healthy. Dude. But Nikola Jokic is legitimately doubling the win share of other Dude. elite big men so, in this league. I want to – this goes perfect. So, I I struggle with, like, what's, you know, great stats. But I read this, this athletic article, and they used something called EPM, estimated plus minus. And then they – what they did, which estimated plus minus is essentially – it combines box score, play-by-play, player tracking data, and they accumulate it with 
RPM method methodology to basically, basically it's as condensed down to how, how much a guy helps you. Right. And then on top of that, they take, you know, the games you played and that gets your estimated plus minus in wins, which is very similar to win share 18.4. And no, the, the second highest was, was Rudy Gobert at, at 7.5. Like that's, that's how good he was. And, and, you know, like we, we talk about, obviously, and that, you know, dude, I, that I includes want... defense. People yeah, don't realize exactly. That he's, he's not bad on defense. Like people think he's an awful defender and sorry to interrupt you, but he's, he's no, serviceable on defense. He He's fine on defense. He's not a negative on defense. It's not like some, it's not Vucevic who's legitimately negative on defense. Jokic can hold his own. He's actually decent at, at, at shot blocking now. Blocks like 1.3 shots he, a game. Steals 1.2. He's so smart. Exactly. It it's, even the smart it's a mind. It's it, every drawback on defense is just because he's unathletic. Like if he had the frame or athletic ability of even any anyone, he would be an above average defense. I, I, I damn near think you can make the argument because he's always in the right spot. He has great hands. His mind is on a whole nother level. So defensively, every drawback that you can say about him is just physically he's limited but it's never because of mentally there's no lapses he understands the game at an insanely crazy level and and this doesn't even really go into like you know who who he is as a player but like i just love like there's no bullshit there bro like it is it's a hundred percent about winning with him he doesn't care if he gets the credit he's a team first guy and like it, it we, you know when you have him, you have an elite offense. I mean, you touched on it with the Blazers series. You put anyone next to him. You don't even need average. You can have below average offensive players next to him. It's an elite offense. He by himself is a walking elite offense. Throw whoever you want next to him. It's an elite offense. And it's crazy because we've never, ever seen that. We've seen that at point guard, sure throw whoever you want next to whatever player, elite offensive point guard, Luca, whoever. We've never seen that at center to the extent because it's not just post, even like Shaq, you know, you go to him dominant force, but Jokic is a point guard. He's a quarterback. He, he, he sees absolutely everything and he sees it before it happens. He sees, he, he sees it before it develops. And I, re, I still remember, bro. It was like game maybe eight or 10 it was they were playing the kings and luke walton had hassan whiteside out there for a little bit and it was just he controlled the game and i remember we texted it was like bro this is yoke's mvp year and little did we know you know fast forward a couple months and it absolutely was but it's everything you could ever want durability offensive elite shooting passing rebounding hands mind teammate like what what else? the only thing you can say is he's not maybe he's not an elite rim protector but like 56 56 percent from the field charge carl anthony towns is an elite offense player shot 48 percent from the field 56 percent from the field 39 from three 86 and from you, the line it we've never it's it's and, unreal and another thing is feel like, oh, he shot 32% from three last year, right? 
That was a great percentage. Where can he go? He comes out this year, he shoots 39% on the same amount of attempts. He jumps 6% from three. He has over a two and a half, uh, just a turnover ratio for a big. It's absolutely ridiculous. He doesn't make bad plays. He's literally an unathletic LeBron James, if you really think about it. Like yeah. the way he <laughs> plays the game and reads it, he's just an athlete, unathletic LeBron James out there. Just, I, I don't know, and man. Guess what? And he's, and, he's young. And get, that's where I was going to go. Guess what? He's going to get better. He's 26. He's 26 years old, bro. Like, I just want to make sure, like, and his I, mean, game I know is everyone tra- knows how good he is, but like his game is going to translate this, perfectly with age. He's the type of guy where if he's 35 years old and doesn't have any serious injuries, I see him playing the same sort of game. Do you yeah. like because he's, he's not beating anyone with speed or athleticism? It, he's not beating guys off the dribble. He, he does his slow pump fake and it goes around. It's Dude, I, you I never actually just looked I, exactly like him right there. I, I never thought in my life I would ever see a basketball player that is unathletic but this dominant at the game. It it, totally. it it truly doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't. And uh, it's it's just a, it's a gift. That's why I'm furious he's on, on, on Christmas. Watching him is an absolute gift. And I, I'm so excited to continue to watch his development. He will win a title. He will win a title eventually. I can almost promise you that, health willing. Um, and it's it's just it's it's absolutely special. There's not there's no other way you can put it. I do feel like before we head out though, we should give some love to Embiid because the dude had an absolute monster year. He's on my fantasy team. We have to talk about him, bro. I have a quick stat, and and then I'll give the floor to you. Um. So I saw this. It was it was cool. I wasn't even like looking for this, but I saw this stat where it has the top ten bigs in terms of unassisted points, non-putback points. So it's it's genuinely just like points where they just go to you. And Joel Embiid is first with twenty point one two eight points per seventy five possessions on 62%, 63% true shooting. Second is Julius Randle at 56. Like we, and I love this because, you know, we were, we're I feel like every one of these guys, especially at the top, you know, we're talking about never seen it before, but we, I think you could, maybe you could use a comparison of Shaq, but even Shaq, like he didn't have the pure skill that Joel Embiid has as a bucket getter, you know, like Jokic does it because he's just an orchestra. Don't get me wrong. Jokic is a great scorer too, but a lot of his value comes from orchestrating Joel Embiid. We've never seen a guy where he has that shack, like you just got to foul me, but Oh, by the way, when I go to the line, I'm going to make it at an insanely efficient rate. And on top of that, he had some moves this year where it was just like, Oh my God, like, dude, you're legitimately like seven feet, 270 pounds. Like what you just did makes no sense. Like you can't, you're, how are you Euro stepping like that? How are you, how are you stepping back like that? He has an unbelievable post-up game on top of that. He has an unbelievable face-up game and for him. And then on top of that, he protects. He has a good perimeter game. Yeah. He has a a great perimeter perimeter game. game. So it's like, 
I, I just love it as a hoop fan, just seeing all these guys. The Anyone who tells you that NBA players right now aren't better than what they were in the past is just lying to themselves. You can make the soft argument, whatever, maybe this, this generation is maybe a little bit more soft, but I don't give a shit. These guys are not even it's not even close honestly these guys are so much better at basketball than than the players were 10 20 years ago and Joel Embiid is a, another example of just a guy that doesn't make any sense there's no way that a seven footer should be able to do the things he does and, and it's incredible to watch the only reason he's not the best big in the league is because we got that that white Serbian man out there who is just ridiculous yeah and honestly if he was able to stay healthy, we, it, it could be a different story be because it might close. elevate. Yeah. It, and it would, it, maybe he elevates his game to a level we didn't know because he's able to stay healthy. Maybe he's more confident. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that when he gets the ball down low, you have to double him or he scores every single time. You have to double him. And even if you double him, you're going to have to foul him. You, you, it, it's it's honestly ridiculous. That's what makes so impressive because no one can stop him. Nobody. There was there was times at the end of the year where before actually before he got hurt when he was him and Jokic were neck and neck in that MVP conversation where he was going for he went for that 50 point game and did went for a couple 40 bombs um, a couple high 30 point games where I was watching him play and I was just like there's nothing you can do they were sending two dudes out of three dudes out of you just can't do anything because you know how he plays. It's not cheap fouling. It's not where he's running into people. No, he he's earns just, all that shit. He's he's going up into people. He's pump faking. He's earning he's his going his, through his, people, dude. Exactly. They bounce off so, of him. He's so strong and skilled at the same time. It's you can't stop it, man. Like it, it, it's if you watch Joel Embiid, you'll understand what we're saying. But you just when he gets the ball down low, you're not stopping him. You can't. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because, you know, I, I we started this podcast talking about how the center's kind of, at least the traditional center is kind of being devalued um, and kind of getting phased out. But then you you turn right back around and the two of the top three MVP candidates this year were centers. We're seeing two guys who are legitimately different molds of centers like we've never seen. Like these are two you, you can't compare them to guys in the past because guys in the past legitimately don't have never been able to do what they do. And so I just want to make sure people are understanding that and appreciating that on a day-to-day basis. And like you said, it, it just comes down to health. Again, it's not even like, like Joel has been so close. Like he's a Ben Simmons having a jumper away from, I, I think maybe beating the bucks last year and, and, I would have had them the favorite over the Suns if, if 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 it's just a little bit better of a team. So I think it's a matter of time too before Joel eventually finds his way to the NBA Finals. Um, and he he's just absolutely special. You just you hope and pray like that he can stay healthy. With Yoke, you you have no worries. But with Joel, you you just feel like if he's playing 82 games, 32, 33 minutes a night, like it's I don't want to say, it, but it's it feels like eventually with the amount of banging and, and usage that he gets, that he'll get hurt. But, you know, he's still just 27. I know we, we don't love Drummond, but I think that's a, a really good insurance policy for them to where now you that's don't have point. the pressure of having to play a Tony Bradley 
where Dwight Howard, who was really bad, honestly, for them uh, at the end of last year, he just wasn't good. Um, I think having the ability to play Andre Drummond when I think they were forcing Joel Embiid to play at not forcing, but he felt like he had they to play needed it because they, they needed, needed it. him yeah. because if yeah. he wasn't on the floor, they were getting ran out of the gym. So I think Andre Drummond is a nice insurance policy where he doesn't 100%. have to play maybe as many minutes. And hopefully we see a healthier Joel Embiid next year, yeah. because if he's healthy, let's say they send Ben Simmons elsewhere and you have a nice, which is another weird it, situation. Another weird situation. I also wonder where nice he'll be for, for point guards. <sighs> That's gonna be a really. Yeah, I still, yeah, bro. I still, I still love Ben Simmons. Oh, I'm I sorry. do too, bro. I do too. I, I still no, don't be sorry. And I know bro. people slander him, but like he's gonna be up there for me, top ten. But just to close on Joel, I, mean, sure. I think if you get like a a really good um, floor spacer, good distributor, a guy where you can't necessarily double off him like they did with Simmons a lot of times, I think a healthy Joel Embiid next year wins MVP. Yeah, I, I think my favorites next year are, are Joel or, or Luca. I feel like Luca is, you you know, you just yep. eventually he gets that just because those numbers, it just takes the Mavs having like a good year for him to get it because everyone loves him. You know, the, the media will, they're just waiting for him to like be up there so they can give it to him. But I agree. Also, uh, yeah, welcome to LA, Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're we're uh, we have the retirement home in la we're all we're bringing them in we're serving them they're yeah. walking with their canes and they're in their walkers <laughs> down the down broadway but, but but you uh at least you got russell now too another great center <laughs> <laughs> all right bro i appreciate you as always chopping it up i i absolutely again bro i love this series and we'll be back with power forwards next week uh, let's real quick, honorable mentions, running it, running through it. Christian Wood, he will be it. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's in my top 10 next year. Vooch, I feel I feel the worst about Vooch, but I just can't look the other way with the defense. I think it's a little bit worse than Sabonis, and he's so damn good offensively. I, I can't lie, but I, the defense just gets me. And then on top of that, the fact that they – the Bulls or the Magic next year were not significantly better with him on the floor. Just got to me. Jared Allen, Al Horford, Nurkic, Brooke Lopez, um, and then my top ten, Chris Stops. think there's a lot of room for him to move up. Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, DeAndre Aiden, Clint Capella, Bam, Cat, Rudy, Joel, Jokic. And mine, mine is J-Val 10, Chris Stops, Vooch. Capella, Aiton, Bam, Cat, Rudy, Joel, and Jokic. And I think this is real cool. I think this is our year where we didn't really have a lot of reservations. Last year, you hated some of my guys, like the Hassan and Andre. I think this year I hated we're pretty. Hassan and Andre, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty locked in on our guys. And I think uh, yeah. both of our lists are really nice. Seven, seven through 10 is essentially the same. We just flip flopped Aiton and Capella, which you could easily make the argument uh, with Aiton. Um, and then. Yeah, I mean, even my seven through or eight through ten was like there slash honorable mention too. Um, would you say of the of the guys that didn't make the top? Yeah, this is a good question to close off. Of the guys that didn't make your top ten, who's the most likely in your mind to, to jump in there this year? You said Christian Wood, who that would be me. Uh, without that, that's who I would say. But just to kind of get different, I think a healthy Nurkic can make a real case to yeah. jump into that top 10 as well. 
Yeah. What about you? I mean, you said wood. It, it, it's Nurk or wood. Um, I, I, if, with Nurk, it's health. It's it's absolutely health. I, he just hasn't. <laughs> I I remind Lauren of this every day. Like, you know, he can he can show flashes of it for twenty games, but until he has a and it, and people might come back and say, well, Miles Turner hasn't. But even Miles Turner, I feel like has has been healthier than Nurk. So uh yeah it's it's water nurk i'm I'm so excited to watch houston though like it, it's that that team was made for league pass and Woods yeah, i'm sure you'll have part a league, of that. i'm sure you'll have a league pass episode that's number one by far not close for me <laughs> yeah no it's not it's not it's not even remotely close bro <laughs> that team is gonna be just fireworks all year all right bro appreciate you locking in with me uh like i said sergeant and i will be back um little life update parents moved to belgium not gonna lie i was pretty stressed about that um haven't really been able to lock in but I, i'm trying to get two pods out here a week for the rest of the off season and then obviously we'll have the the daily betting podcast and and i know i've been trying to get into youtube i've had a darius garland video that i've been working on for like two months but that'll be out within the next week too but appreciate you all spending some time with Sarge and i on this Tuesday night and uh, look forward to, to being back again soon. Thank you, bro. Peace. Peace.